Episode 109, Carrie Kaufman, Business Coach. It's so true. Like, it, it, you either win or you learn. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more, go to markgraven.com slash mistake109. Please follow, rate, and review the podcast. If you like the episode, please share it with a colleague. Thanks. Our guest today is Carrie Kaufman joining us from San Diego, sunny San Diego, as you can see behind her. Carrie Kaufman is a business coach who gets results. Since 2005, Carrie has helped over a thousand business owners and executives achieve their goals and take their business to the next level. So we'll have a chance to hear about some of Carrie's work later. Uh, She says she lives what she teaches by putting family first based on our philosophy that, and I love this, the being in business should give you more life, not suck the life out of you. So, Carrie, thank you for being here as a guest today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm excited to be here. Well, good. I, I, I hope I, I would predict being a guest here will uh, give you more life and uh, not, not suck the life out of you or yeah. your day. <laughs> um, so we'll have a chance to talk more about the coaching and the work that you do with organizations. Um, Carrie's website is kerrykaufman.com. Now there's a couple potential spelling mistakes I'll warn people about. So Carrie, if you can give them the correct spelling yes, of, of I would first never, and last name. I would never expect anybody to guess this. Carrie is K-A-R-I-E. Kaufman is K-A-U-F as in Frank, M-A-N-N. So kerrykaufman.com. One F, two N's, and I'll make sure that we have uh, the correct link in the show notes if somebody wants to just go click on that instead of typing that in. So, um, so Carrie, you know, to get things started as, as we normally do here, you know, looking back at the work that you've done in your career, what would you say is your favorite mistake? It's a good question. So when you and I first connected, I gave this a lot of thought and to be honest, I don't have a, one of those amazing stories where I made a massive mistake and I lost it all and came back stronger and I, I love those stories. They're so inspiring and helpful. And I was like, I wish I had something like that. But I'm guessing if your listeners are anything like the leaders that I work with, a, lo- a majority of people don't live that way. A majority of us don't live on the fringe where we're you know risking it all or, or making a catastrophic level mistake that you know you've really got to recover and dig yourself out. So. I would consider myself to be more of a typical kind of entrepreneur um, that hopefully your, your listeners can kind of relate to in that way, because my favorite mistake was a mistake of omission. Um, it was a mistake because I thought everything was fine. You know, I had built my coaching practice that's now been, you know, 16 years uh, and counting, and I was doing pretty well, right? Now, this mistake happened uh, about four, almost five years ago or at least the realization of a mistake that I had been slowly making and not realizing it. So by all measurements I was using at the time, business was going well. I had a successful practice. I have great clients. 
I was pretty full. I was turning away clients. Um, and I did pretty well at maintaining what I thought was a decent balance. I've got young kids at home, so I've got my boundaries of you know where my time is spent to make sure that I'm not compromising. Um, you know, as I, as I said, being in business should give you more life, not suck the life out of you. But I realized I had the illusion of balance that I wasn't actually doing things the way I needed to. And what brought this to my attention was I have a friend who is also a coach, runs a practice uh, along with his wife in New Mexico, and he had a medical emergency that put him in the hospital for several weeks, probably even longer, actually, by the time he fully recovered. And so naturally, his wife is out as well. You know, they ran the business together, but they got two young boys, so she's looking after her husband and her kids, and, you know, obviously, the business took a back burner. So I get a call from a mutual friend that said, you know, hey, this couple, they've got all these clients, have you got space? Would you mind looking after, you know, coaching a couple of these businesses while he recovers and they can kind of get back on their feet? And I couldn't say yes. I was so, I had no margin in in my business. I was so packed to the gills. I remember times when I would be, this is going to sound awful. I was thankful when one of my clients would call out sick, like, sorry, I got to cancel today's appointment. I'm going to like, whoo, I get a break. That's some time. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wait a minute, I'm doing something wrong. And and while I thought I was doing everything right, you know, but while well, I thought I, I was feeling rather successful and accomplished, but what I was really doing was continuing to grow my business by just doing more of what I already knew, uh, by just kind of rinse and repeat incremental growth based on staying, really staying within my comfort zone and then stretching it, stretching it, stretching it until, you know, like the, uh, a rubber band, it can't stretch anymore. And that's when I was like, that I'm doing this the wrong way. If I can't help a friend, if I can't help another business uh, who needs it, let alone a business that's run by a friend. Um, so that was a real wake-up call for me. And around that same time, um, I had taken on a new business coach for my business. Um, I've had my own business coach for about as long as I've owned my business um, but I was taking on a new coach at the time, and I had known him for quite a while. So he had seen my business grow and evolve, and, and he lives in London. Um, so you know, he said something to the effect of, you're working below your potential. It's becoming inappropriate. And I have a terrible British accent. He also <laughs> swears a lot. So, <laughs> so you, can, you can adapt my interpretation to, to get the, the impression that he sent to me. And that's exactly the message I needed at that point in time, was that I was staying within my comfort zone and trying to fit everything into the way I had always done things. And well, if it worked for me in the past, I got to just, you know, continue doing it this way. Um, and it was, I had gone as far as I could go in my comfort zone. I'd helped as many people as I could help. And it was time to get uncomfortable. So that's my favorite mistake. Well, and, you know, Carrie, I think, you know, you're right. It, it, it is rare or unusual when guests on the podcast here have had, as you put it, like, you know, a lose it all and Mm-hmm. build backstory. It's usually something, you know, that's why I mean, you know, the podcast, it would be a different podcast framed as my biggest mistake or my catastrophic mistake. Um, but your, your mistake, uh, you know, I can see why you, you frame it as a favorite because, you know, it sounds like it, um, you know, it's stuck with you. It's, uh, it's impacted you um, from, from that discovery point from the moment and the coaching you got, I mean, what, what sort of adjustments have you made, <laughs> excuse me, have you made in uh, the years since? So that prompted me to, um, 
do a few things. One was some education. Now, I've always been a fan of education. I'm constantly reading, learning, listening to podcasts, attending seminars. That's not new to me. What I realized, though, was I was learning more of what I already knew. Like, I was still learning within the areas that I liked. And the way I felt at the time was that I, it was time to learn things that made me tired. Like, you know, you read that book and, like, you're just not ready for it or it's so far outside of your wheelhouse that it's just it's exhausting, mentally exhausting for you. And it was time to go there. It was time to learn the things that really, really wore me out and stretch myself in that level, which led to new language, you know, new ways of, of speaking, new ways of working with my clients and new types of clients, uh, bigger companies that had more complex problems, a more complex strategy um, that was not a million miles away from what I had done, but was certainly outside of my my comfort zone. Um, so I just had to change my practice, and I realized, you know, the, the asking myself higher quality questions with how can I continue to increase my impact without sacrificing the things that are important to me, um, the things outside of my business that are because my business is important to me too. It's 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 my calling in life, but without sacrificing family, health, you know, spiritual health, um, any of those other things that also really matter to me in life. So it sounds like you know we've gotten sort of a second bonus mistake, the mistake within the mistake of, as, as you put it, learning more of what you already knew. I mean, that, that gets me thinking, you know, I, I work within a, a particular professional niche. And for a long time, I read books that were like within a tightly defined box of being within that field. And then it gets to a point where, you know, it's not that I don't have anything more to learn within that niche, but sure. Like, you know, as, as an engineer, um, I've found it very helpful to read books about psychology which is outside yeah. of my usual professional space. But sometimes reading something like that brings in more or allows me to connect dots in a way that's really helpful. I mean, what, what are some of the things that you've explored outside of you know, the, the things you already knew? Uh, for one, I, I added a new certification to my wheelhouse, which is with Scaling Up, which is designed for mid-market-sized companies as opposed to the smaller businesses that I had been working with historically. Uh, so now I kind of do both. Um, but that was new for me, new certification, hundreds of hours of study and, and practical application to get that certification, which also led to new conferences, new thought leaders, um, you know, new books, new podcasts that, that challenged me, uh, new even strategic alliances, kind of my centers of influence started to shift, um, which is out of my comfort zone. You know, I, I was used to being, I guess, uh, pretty well connected and, and pretty well known in my circles and now is moving to a place where nobody knew me or cared. Right? <laughs> so, so that I, I felt frequently and still sometimes do, even though I, I've been on this kind of next level journey for a few years now, still very much feel like a novice in, in some regards. Um, and I, I kept telling my coach, I feel like such a rookie again, my man, I made a rookie mistake today, you know, said or did or missed something or did the wrong thing or just felt outside of my league um, and that's really uncomfortable for people who like to be good at things. And, and I run into that a lot with my clients because they're smart people, you know, smart people generally like to be good at things and mm -hmm. resist things where we're not good or where, mm -hmm. you know, you might look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> so that, uh, I think it was Seth Godin who said something like, you know, growth by definition means you're not the expert right? Because you, you stepped beyond where your expertise ends. So if you don't like feeling like an idiot, 
you're going to resist growth. Uh, more likely subconsciously than consciously. Like consciously, we might say we want to grow. These are our goals. These are our plans. But we can also self-sabotage when it comes to, it's like, well, gosh, that's going to mean I'm going to have to hire some new people that are actually smarter than me at certain things. Or I'm going to have to let go of things that I've always been the best one at um, and release some control. Um, so those are th- certainly things I've had to do myself and also things that my clients deal with on a on a daily basis. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for somebody who is considered a coach or a quote unquote expert, even though like that word makes me cringe sometimes, but it's good to put yourself in a situation where you're now the learner or the novice, because I think it helps kind of, you know, build or refresh the empathy that we should have as coaches toward people. We're working with people who are new to something perhaps. And, and they may have that fear or trepidation trepidation of, see, I made a mistake trying to use a bigger word than I should have. <laughs> they, they have fear of um, looking dumb or, you know, not being an expert. That is uncomfortable. I mean, how, how do you help coach clients of yours through those stages of learning and, and newness and quote unquote rookie mistakes, as you put it? Well, something I remind them often and remind myself of often is, The person you are today is perfectly equipped to run your current business. And that's it. And and your business is designed to get its current results. And that's it. So if you're serious about leveling up, about, you know, really scaling the business to new heights, who's the leader you need to become? What kind of leader does it take to run a business that's 20% or 200% larger than the one you have now? Um, so asking those kinds of questions and causing, you know, getting them to self-reflect on, okay, well, what what will it look like to run a team that's double the size or to manage higher level leaders or to recruit people who are um, smarter than me, right? Or um, to manage people in multiple locations or and now these days in a hybrid working environment when that's maybe a skill I've never had to have anymore. Um, and another question I pose to them often is, um, if you were to employ a CEO, because l- let me preface this, most of the businesses I work with are founder run. Uh, sometimes they're multiple, maybe, maybe they change hands. I work with a lot of family businesses that might be multi-generational, but they're very closely held. The, the, the person running the business likely started it or has at least been there for a very long time. Um, so it's very personal to them. So if I ask the question, if you were to employ a CEO from the outside, you know, recruit someone to come in, pay them a hefty salary to do it. What would you expect of her or him? And how is that different from how you're showing up right now? Or, or in other words, if you had a board of directors, would they be wanting to give you a raise right now? Or would they be, you know, maybe challenging you to improve on some things and getting people to look at it outside of themselves with like, well, what, what would I expect to see of someone else? And how, what's, what's the, the Delta, what's the difference in how I'm showing up now, either in my thought process or my skill set, my leadership attributes, my strategic thinking? Um, most people don't take time to think, really. We're too busy doing, 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 and not really taking the time to really strategically think. Um, so that's something that I help them pause and reflect and ask the difficult questions that they usually can't answer. And if you can't answer a question right away, then that's usually the right question to, to 
be asking yourself, right? We, we tend to ask ourselves questions we already know the answer to. Um, so if it's a question you can't answer, then you're probably on the right track. Yeah, but I, I can see that's where the benefit of a coach, mentor, any outside perspective maybe helps somebody look beyond the here and the now. Like you said, you know, we're, we're so busy doing and executing, taking the time to look ahead um, can be a challenge. But you know, it makes me think, Carrie, you know, kind of along the lines of you know, there's that, that old expression, you know, physician heal thyself. Um, when you found yourself too busy to take on your friend's work, were you also sort of in that trap of being too busy doing the work to think about some of your longer term strategy yourself? Did freeing up time help you in kind of planning for your own business? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, I had gotten into a bit of a rut. Um, I guess you could say it was just too comfortable, you know, and there, there's really only two reasons why people change dissatisfaction, right. And vision, you know, the carrot and the stick. Uh, and, but really it's a combination of both of those. It's, it's a multiplying factor and anything times zero is zero. So you could be dissatisfied as all get out, but if you don't have a vision for what you want instead or how things could be, or believe that it's possible, you're not going to take action. You're just going to live in frustration. And the reverse can also be true. You could have a grand vision or, some big goals and aspirations, but yeah, if you're pretty comfortable as you are, you're unlikely to get off, get off the couch, right. You know, to, to get up and actually take the action. So I needed a a little kick. I needed a a healthy dose of dissatisfaction, um, and to clarify and increase my vision to, you know, what I really wanted to achieve next and and how I was going to get there and structure my learning according to where I wanted to go, not where I already was. Mm -hmm. And then are, are there things that you've adjusted on in terms of, let's say, managing your calendar of, uh, you know, some people block out time for reflection, for thinking, for future projects, just some block of time that's not the 15 minutes that maybe you get between meetings. You know, do, do you manage your calendar differently to try to make sure you don't get too busy to think about I those do. other things? Yeah, I've limited the amount of coaching time I have on a weekly basis to make sure I have um some significant time, what, what I call it my working on the business time, uh, which is sometimes, you know, I've, I've got a great little outdoor office space outside my, my office here. Um, so sometimes it's just me sitting out there with a notebook, right, where I'm thinking or strategizing or planning or journaling, um, you know, talking with my coach. So, um, and other times it might be working on a project, right, or working on, you know, marketing or something like that. But I've got a minimum of a half day a week, um, that I spend for that, um, oftentimes more, especially if there's, you know, kind of a bigger project that I'm working on at the moment. Um, and that was a big shift for me to, to limit my calendar, which meant I had to make some adjustments, you know, have, you know, raise some prices, you know, shift some of the clients I'm working with doing different types of work, um, to make sure that I could continue to grow, um, without, you know, like I said, give, giving up too much or running out of running, you know, when you run out of time, you run out of your ability to to grow. Right. And that's the trap that I needed to escape. Yeah. And, you know, there was a phrase on your website that, that jumped out at me kind of building on what we've been talking about here, uh, the idea or the suggestion to retire the lack of time excuse. Like yeah. you know, the, the one other thing I would add, I forget, I think I forget where I learned this, but um, this general idea of if you say I'm too busy to do blank, it's a, what you really could be saying is, Doing blank isn't important enough. I choose not to make time 
exactly blank, which is, uh, you know, it's more blunt, maybe more accurate. What else would you add about this whole idea of, well, you know, quote unquote, I, I've got a lack of time. I, I think people were busy like it's a badge of honor. Right? It's like, how are you doing? Oh, so busy, right? And like, like that makes us more important or more valuable. And it's not. Um, I've tried really hard, even though I, there are times that busy might be an accurate description. I don't want that to define my day or my life. Um, maybe you got a full calendar. Maybe, you know, you got some priorities. Uh, but I, I, it's a mentality where I don't want to be in that kind of harried, frantic, there's not enough time. It's a scarcity type of mentality. Um, so I tell it to my clients, not a badge of honor. I, I'm, I'm not impressed by that. I'll, I'll be impressed when you grow your business and you get to make it home in time for dinner. That's what's going to impress me. So how can we get there? And everybody can improve on it. Um, it was a Darren Hardy uh, I heard speak. I think was, I've heard him speak a number of times, but I think the first time was 2012 or 13. And there's an audience of, I don't know, a thousand people or so. And he says, how many here have been bit by an elephant? And no hands go up, but he's kind of like looking around. He said, how many here have been bit by a mosquito? And every hand in the room goes up. It's like, you see, the big things, we see them coming and we tend to avoid them. It's the small things that get you, right? Like, chances are you're not making a huge mistake when it comes to your time or, you know, how you're prioritizing your day or your week. Like, you're, you're not losing massive amounts of time scrolling social media or twiddling your thumbs. Like, it's the little things. It's the, it's the five-minute things. And the things with mosquitoes is you don't know you, you've been bit until it's gone, right? It's hindsight at the end of the day that you're like, man, I was busy today, but what did I actually accomplish? Like in, your, in, in reflection, you're like, gosh, I just wasted a bunch of time with mos- these mosquitoes that like it felt urgent, but looking back, it wasn't important. And I just let it get squandered through and it happens two minutes at a time, five minutes at a time. It's that one little distraction. It's that, hey, got a minute. It's that interruption. So if, if you can just be intentional to be aware of those and eliminate, like most people, I think, could buy back a big chunks of their day, at, at least 20, 30 minutes a day, if not sometimes a couple hours, if you just look for where are you losing three to five minutes at a time um, and eliminate some of that nonsense, um, recognize the, like the urgent, but unimportant, you know, before it's too late when, cause you, you know, you look back and you say, well, okay, it wasn't as important as it seemed. It chances are it would have resolved itself if I had let it go. Um, so that's, that's my advice on that. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And it kind of it's triggers a thought of, you know, you're right. People do brag about how busy they are. They brag about how many hours they work. They brag about how little sleep they get. Like how interesting it would be if somebody bragged about their effectiveness. Right. Like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, great. Because I found there's this work that I've been doing. Like I should be, I decided to outsource that to an assistant. And now that's freed up time in my day. Like, or I've decided I should stop doing such and such. Like, that, that would be a different, maybe helpful thing to hear people brag about something. Yep, that'd be a great thing to start celebrating. <laughs> um, one other thing to celebrate, as, as you put it on your website, there's a phrase that reminded me of kind of the themes of this podcast, that you help people collect experiences and how to learn from them. Mm-hmm. That includes learning from mistakes, these collection of mosquito bites, small mistakes. So could you add, add you know, some more thoughts about you know, what that phrase means to you, collecting experiences and learning from them. 
Yeah, I stole that from Jim Rohn, who said life is a collection of experiences. And we first adopted that as one of our family core values. We have four family core values, and, th- and that's one of them. And then as I was kind of refining my business core values that that came to, to light again, because it's so true, like it, it, you either win or you learn. And if, if, if you just imagine that every challenge you face was sent to you as a gift, what did it come to teach you? Because I, I, at least in my life and probably everybody's like, you tend to have the, the patterns, right? The same mistake kind of shows up over and over and over because it's a pattern and it might show up a little bit differently. You know, you might not really recognize it as being the same thing, but if you really drill down to the core, to the root cause of what's causing your biggest headaches or challenges, it's probably really one or two things. So earth is round, right? If you don't solve it, it's only a matter of time before you run into yourself again. So if you take note of it and you say, okay, now whatever it was that happened, if I just imagine this was sent to me as a gift, what did it come to teach me? And if I can learn the lesson, I don't have to face it again. I can I can apply it. Um, and an exercise I've done with my clients sometimes is, you know, look back in history of your, you know, the last however far you can remember of your business, some of the biggest mistakes you had and what you learned from it. And now in hindsight, can you see how, like how that's affected where you are now? And in every single case, they say, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I am now had I not, you had that, had that not been a stepping stone because it caused them to make a change. They, they learned a lesson, you know, whatever it was. So, you know, what if we did that more proactively where on a regular basis we're saying like, okay, screwed that one up. What, what can it, might as well get some education out of it. Might as well make it worth the, worth the, he, the heartache. <laughs> Um, to, to get the lesson and the education. And um, so that's to me what that experience is about. Partially, the other part of the experiences, at least the, uh, the version that you saw on my website, collect experiences and learn from them, is that because I do believe being in business should give you more life and not suck the life out of you, that we really are intentional to treasure experiences, which also means celebrating successes, um, enjoying the simple pleasures of life or the finer pleasures of life and everything in between. Because um, most high-performance people really suck at celebration, or it doesn't come natural. Always on to the next thing, right? You're just like, well, okay, well, forget about the thing, the massive thing I just accomplished. There's ten other things I haven't done yet. On to the next thing. On to the next thing. Um, so I try to get people to really slow down and say, well, what has been your biggest success for the week, for the month, for the quarter, um, and force them to answer the question. And uh, they'll usually at first say like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, well, there is that one thing. And that, that was kind of a big deal. But it happened like a week ago and I've already moved on. You know, just, just today I texted a client because I knew she was close to having her best year ever. So she's just as of a couple days ago um, broke her previous annual revenue goal, right? And it's only, you know, not even into September yet. So she's way ahead of schedule, already had her best year ever, and she's still got a few months to go. So I knew it was coming close. I texted her to say, hey, did you hit it? She's like, oh, yeah, we just passed it a couple days ago. And I said, so what are you doing to celebrate? She's like, I haven't even thought about that. It's like, well, consider this your reminder. <laughs> That's yeah. worth memorializing. You, know, you, you celebrate what you want more of. Um, focus, well, and, on what, and, focus on what you do want. And, and avoid the trap of being too busy to take time to yeah. you know, stop and smell the roses as uh, 
the cliched expression says. I think, yeah, there's some really good advice. Uh, you know, those of us who are driven are sometimes thinking about the next challenge or the gap or the thing that yeah. we need to improve on. I think I'm kind of wired that way. So yeah. I'll, I'll step back and think about that a little bit. Um, but one other question before we wrap up, and again, our guest has been Carrie Kaufman. Um, you can learn more about her coaching and her other work at carriekaufman.com. The link in the spelling is in the show notes. One thing I learned a little bit about Carrie um, uh, through her website is about Carrie's family. And you talk about the emphasis on family, how important that is to you. And earlier you mentioned work-life balance. So maybe as a final question, is that something that you've always been able to make a priority or was there a point where you realized, "Mm, I need to make an adjustment and emphasize that even more so? I've certainly never done it perfectly, uh, but I do, I guess this could be another uh, mistake or lesson I learned early on because I've had this business longer than I've had my kids, right? So I used to be free to work around the clock. And I was pregnant with my first child, who's now 11. And I remember working late one night. I'm sitting on the couch with my husband with my laptop open. And I'm like six or seven months pregnant at the time. And I just started crying. I was like, I am so busy, right? (laughs) How am I going to fit a baby into into my life (laughs) when I'm up until 11 o'clock at night? Just I was trying to get my business off the ground at that point in time. Um, And I just really had to find smarter ways of working. So that's when, you know, when I hired my first employee, when I started delegating and started prioritizing my time. So I learned a lot from that. Um, so I did make a commitment pretty early on. Um, when she was born, I started taking off Friday afternoons. It's like, that's my, you know, be home in time for dinner. And Friday afternoons was our, our mommy daughter time. And then I had my second child and did that with both of them. And after a little while, we had a nanny as well. So after a while I was like, you know, I'm paying a nanny who's not working now, right? Even though I'm paying her uh, on Friday. It's like, maybe I should go on a date with my husband instead and leave, <laughs> leave the kids. So that's been our tradition for the past, mm-hmm. my son's eight. So, you know, about that long is Friday afternoons are our, our date afternoons. Um, most Fridays, you know, occasionally it will, well, you know, one of us will have something going on that prevents it, but pretty consistently for several years, we've made sure that we have, you know, our time as a couple. And then, you know, because of one of our family core values is we collect experiences that were, we're pretty intentional, even though we, we both work full time, you know, but, um, to really collect experiences and, and make memories with the family. And that's one thing we don't hesitate on. If it's a decision of, um, it's not a decision of stuff. It's a decision of experiences. Like if we've got an opportunity to create an experience, the answer is almost always yes. We're, we're going to do it. If it's, if it's a sacrifice, we're going to do it because that's what we value. Well, it's great advice. And thank you for sharing you know, your, some of your story and, and your reflections on all of that, Carrie. I uh, really appreciate you taking time to be here with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me and fun conversation. Thanks for letting me share some of my mistakes. I like to learn from other people's mistakes. So um, you know, more fun to learn from others than, than from your own. So, so, so I hope that this has helped some people to benefit from mine today. Yeah. And uh, not to put your own words back in your mouth, but hopefully it gave you, it seems like it gave you some life. It doesn't seem Absolutely. like it sucked the life out of you here, like oh. a thousand mosquitoes in the Zoom call. <laughs> no, no, this was, this was a great experience. Thank you so much. Well, sure thing. So again, our guest, um, thank you to Carrie Kaufman. Um, You can learn more about her and her work, carriekaufman.com. Look for the link in the show notes. Thanks again. Thanks, Mark. 
Well, thanks again to Carrie Kaufman for being a wonderful guest today. To learn more about Carrie and her work, you can go to markgraben.com slash mistake 109. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.